Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today, our guest is Mark Romanak from Fishing 411 TV. We're going to talk some salmon fishing across the Great Lakes. Mark, thanks for joining the show. Chris, it's uh, always my pleasure. Thanks, man. Mark, you're a Michigan guy. You spend a lot of time on Lake Michigan. The state of Michigan has really cut back on their stocking efforts. What went into that decision? Well, they still stock king salmon. They just don't stock as many. (laughs) Um, And it's really complex. But in a nutshell, Chris, if you go back in history, you'll notice that uh, Lake Huron, the forage basin Lake Huron, crashed about a decade ago. And it destroyed the salmon fishing, and nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming. And, uh, and so ever since then, our Michigan Department of Natural Resources has been real gun-shy about forage levels, and they don't want to overstock because they're afraid that they could crash Lake Michigan, very much as what happened to Lake Huron. And so they've been at a, a more conservative level of stocking. Like, for example, this year, I believe they stocked about 500,000 Chinook. Uh, compared to historic levels, um, that's less than a quarter of what they historically, you know, have been stocking. So we're dealing with far fewer fish. And as a, a matter of fact, um, as a result of stocking less, we're catching less. And, you know, and one goes with the other. So it's, it's not gloom and doom. There are some salmon to be caught, um, but it's not the bonsai years that we had prior to 2012. How much natural reproduction do you think is going on in Lake Michigan? Well, that's a real tough question. Obviously, there is some natural reproduction. Um, we have streams that have never been stocked. Uh, for example, the Betsy River uh, here in northwest Michigan has never been stocked, um, and they get a pretty sizable run of Chinook salmon there. So uh, common sense suggests that those are wild fish. Uh, there may be some hatchery fish that slide in there, but for the most part, those are wild fish. But if the hatchery numbers, um, or what, excuse me, if the wild, you know, recruitment numbers were super significant, we wouldn't have seen such a decline when they cut back on stocking. So there's no real way to track for sure. They don't, they don't mark Chinook anymore. They used to fin clip them. They don't do that anymore. So it's pretty near impossible to look at a Chinook and tell if it's wild or if it's a hatchery fish. There is some recruitment wild, um, but I have one. This is just my opinion, but my opinion is, is that um, our fishing has declined because we don't stock um, as many as we used to. Can you kind of quantify that for us? I mean, what do you, how do you feel fishing today compared to 10 years ago? What does that really look like in the cooler? Well, let's put it in real terms. I mean, when fishing was real good here in the Michigan waters of the Great Lakes, um, limits were common. Um, pretty much the charter captains who knew what they were doing were taking limits every day. Um, usually a morning trip and an afternoon trip, they were able to limit for their clients. Um, a weekend warrior who's just going out, who had some skills, but maybe wasn't a world-class fisherman, still catching quite a few fish. Um, it was very common um, for limit catches. Um, today, um, even the skilled fishermen, even the charter captains who are really know what they're doing and have it dialed in as good as anybody can dial it in, are averaging three to five fish a trip. Um, occasionally, they might have a better trip, um, get six to ten fish, but uh, nowhere's close to what we used to do. Um, and it's a matter of becoming more satisfied with less, I guess. And um, quite honestly, we might have had it too good prior to 2012. Um, that might be unre- unrealistic to think that we could continue to have that. Um, but you know, fishermen, you know, once you've experienced great, 
you don't want to go back to good. <laughs> That's just the nature of the beast. Sure. Wisconsin has committed the stocking to 1.2 million Chinook and about a half a million coho every year for the next three years. How big of an impact do you think that will have? Well, I'm already seeing that impact. Um, we've been fishing Wisconsin for some time now, and, um, and frankly, they have a better fishery. Um, there's no question about it. They have a better brown trout fishery. Uh, they have a better steelhead fishery. Um, they have a better snook fishery, and they have a better coho fishery. Um, and I think that just boils down to one simple fact. Um, they are putting more in. Um, there are some advantages that Wisconsin has that Michigan will never have. Um, if you take a look and you divide the lake up, um, the streams that pour into Lake Michigan from the Michigan side of the lake are pretty sterile. They're blue water trout streams. They're not pumping in a lot of nutrients into Lake Michigan. Um, meanwhile, if you go to the Wisconsin side and you look at the creek, you know, the streams and creeks that are pouring in there, they're coming out of farm country and they're very eutrophic. They got a lot of nutrients in them. And so it's not surprising that the Wisconsin side of the lake has, you know, has more plankton, has more nutrients than the Michigan side of the lake. Now, if I was a salmon, where would I be? I would be where the forage is going to be. And I think the forage is going to be where the plankton levels are higher. So I think Wisconsin has a distinct advantage in that they're keeping all their fish and they might even be attracting some of ours. You know, I talked to charter captains on the Wisconsin side. I hear that actually quite a bit. Uh, they'll, they'll say that the fish are over here, they're over here eating. And then as fish begin to stage, they go back across the lake. Do you think that's really happening? I do. Um, and, and the reason why I think it's happening is that um, in the springtime, we have a pretty good salmon fishery at the southern end of the lake. A lot of that's in Michigan waters down by places like Michigan City um, and Benton Harbor. Really good fishing, uh, but it's very short-lived. And then once those fish disperse and start spreading out through the lake, uh, historically, they would come up the Michigan side and we would start catching them at places like Holland and then Muskegon and then Ludington and Frankfurt. Um, but in recent years, that just doesn't happen much. A few fish come up the Michigan side, we do get some, but it gets pretty tough fishing uh, during the summertime. And then right about this time of year, when the salmon are getting ready to stage to go back to the rivers, all of a sudden, bam, some fish show up and we get pretty good fishing for a period of time. And so I think what those Wisconsin guys are saying, it's not that far, far-fetched. I think that you know, these fish are preferring to be in the middle of the lake or the Wisconsin side. And then when the timing is right for them to spawn, well, naturally, they're going to come back to, to where they were socked. And so that's why we're seeing fish in late August and September that we're not seeing in June and July. Lake Huron, you talked about that a little a few minutes ago. They had that lapse several years ago. There were several anglers going out there catching fish that were severely malnourished. What is Lake Huron like today? It's much better than it was. When the forage base crashed in Lake Huron, things were pretty dismal. And for a period of time, I mean, it went from being very good to very bad almost overnight. Um, but the lake has recovered nicely. Um, there's not a lot of alewives there. For whatever reason, the alewife population did not recover. And I'm not exactly sure why that is, you know, but it's a fact. There's not that many alewives in Lake Huron right now. But what has come back pretty nicely is the smelt population. Um, I was just in northern Lake Huron fishing for lake trout, and every one of the fish that we caught was spitting up smelt like crazy. Um, there's a, a significant population of smelt. You mark them when you're fishing commonly. So the northern half of the lake has got a lot of smelt, and there's also a lot of goby in the lake as well, which is good for things like lake trout, the brown trout will eat them. Not so great for Chinook and Coho because they're not really bottom feeders. You know, they really don't go to the bottom and feed uh, on, the, you know, on the goby that much. But the fact is, is that there's enough forage in Lake Huron 
that it's becoming a pretty reasonable fishery. It's not what it was. Um, it may never be what it was, um, but it's a destination and it's definitely worth fishing. There's some good mixed bags, uh, a few Atlantics, lots of lake trout, some steelhead, um, kings and cohos, and a lot of pink salmon. Believe it or not, uh, there's a ton of pink salmon in Lake Huron right now. How much of those fish move around? We talked about uh, salmon on Lake Michigan and a trading between the Wisconsin and the Michigan side. How about uh, fish on Lake Huron kind of going back through the Straits of Mackinac, back and forth, Lake Michigan, back into, into Lake Huron? Well, it's pretty much been documented that these fish are pelagic and they move around a ton. Um, when the forage base collapsed in Lake Huron, what happened is a lot of those salmon that were stocked in Lake Huron, that were living in Lake Huron, simply swam across to Lake Michigan. And as you might imagine, the Lake Michigan fishing improved for a period of time. It was because we were getting the fish from both lakes were all concentrating into Lake Michigan, uh, creating a better fishery. And so, you know, that's the reason why I think the Michigan DNR is smart to be conservative in where they're stocking and how they're stocking, because they could pour a ton of salmon into Lake Huron chances are they're just going to swim over to Lake Michigan and potentially crash the forage base. So they have to be smart on how many fish are being stocked and where they're being stocked. They are pelagic. They can go wherever they want to go. And uh, literally for a salmon to swim two or 300 miles is nothing. Um, that's nothing in the big scheme of things. On Lake Superior, there's some stocking done by the Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources. Um, it's been greatly diminished stateside, but the fish seem to be reproducing on their own. What's different on Lake Superior compared to what we've been talking about on Lake Michigan? The habitat is vastly different. And um, in Lake Michigan and Lake Huron streams, uh, a lot of them are drowned river mouth lakes. I'll give you an example, um, Ludington, that's PM Lake there. The fish come in to PM Lake, then they can have to swim through PM Lake, then they get into the PM River. Once they get into the Pierre Marquette River, it's pretty good spawning habitat. The problem is they could spawn there and be successful, but they have to smoke. They have to come back down to the Great Lakes. And when they hit PM Lake again, they're going into a body of water that's full of predators, that's overly warm for salmon. It's not a habitat that's inducive to smolting salmon. And so we lose a lot of those smolt on the downwind. When they're going down to the lake, we lose a lot of them. Now you compare that with Lake Superior. We've got nice cold streams up there that pour directly into the lake. No drowned river mouth. And so those fish go up as far as they can go up. They spawn on good habitat. And when they're ready to smolt, they smolt right straight back out to the lake, pretty much the way God intended. And, um, and they do quite well. So it doesn't surprise me that we get natural reproduction out of Lake Superior uh, in, a, in a significant manner. And, uh, and that's the reason we don't get more natural reproduction out of Lake Michigan and Lake Huron is because of the drowned river mouse that are less than desirable uh, for salmon spawning. What about we've been talking forage base? What's the forage base like out in Lake Superior in 2020? Lake Superior is twofold. Um, they have a lot of ciscos, and that's what primarily the lake trout are feeding on. Um, lake trout feed on much bigger forage than what a Chinook salmon would typically. The other forage base they have there are smelt. Um, it's stable. It's not great. Um, and so when you catch a Chinook salmon out of Lake Superior, a good one is going to be 12 to 15 pounds. So they, they average much smaller than they would in Lake Michigan, but there's a fairly significant population. You have to understand Superior's huge. There's a lot of water there that doesn't have salmon in it. But considering it's all wild, there's, uh, it's all natural reproduction, it's surprising how many salmon are in Lake Superior right now, and they are all naturally recruited. Um, even though um, Ministry of Natural Resources in Ontario plants a small number, they plant in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and they only plant about 150,000. That's like next to nothing. 
in uh, Wisconsin DNR and Michigan DNR no longer uh, stock Chinook salmon in Lake Superior. Lake Erie will head east a little bit. They're known for walleyes, so to some extent steelhead, we hear about that. But you really don't hear much about salmon. I know there's salmon in the lake, but not many. What, what's going on with Lake Erie and salmon? Why isn't that a hotbed for, for salmon? It really, Lake Erie just really isn't conducive to salmon fishing. Uh, the base of the water is too warm for the most part. It's, as you know, it's relatively shallow compared to the other Great Lakes. And, uh, and even in the Eastern Basin where there is some deep water, there's not much habitat there uh, compared to Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, or Lake Superior. So there's a limited salmon fishery there, but mostly what you have for cold water species there are steelhead and lake trout. And, uh, and they're doing quite well in that end of the lake. There's places where you can fish the Eastern Basin uh, and catch all of those species on the same day, but more likely you're gonna catch walleyes and you're gonna catch steelhead. That's what seems to thrive the best in the Eastern Basin. All right, let's head further east. Let's go to Lake Ontario right now. It seems to be the jewel of the Great Lakes when it comes to king salmon. Plenty of stocking done on Lake Ontario, but there's still some debate. You talk to uh, charter captains over there about how much forage is actually in Lake Ontario. What's the state of the king salmon on Lake Ontario? Well, I think Lake Ontario is in a unique position, and um, I'd love to give credit to this, you know, and, you know, and to say that it's, you know, the New York Department of Wildlife that's making this happen. But the fact is, it's the last great lake in the chain. So all the nutrients from Superior, Huron, Michigan, and Erie all eventually pour into Lake Ontario through that wonderful little waterway called the Niagara River. And, um, and basically what's happening is it's a pipeline of nutrients that suck right into Lake Ontario. So Lake Ontario is getting all of the nutrients from all of the lakes. As a result, um, the plankton counts are very high and its ability to support uh, bait fish is amazing. There's lots of alewives, there's lots of smelt, uh, there's goby, there's emerald shiners. It's amazing what's in the lake as far as for forage base. And you really can't give credit to that to anything other than the fact that it's just the nature of where the lake is located. Um, but I will give credit to you know, New York Department of Natural Resources in that uh, they recognize this and they know they can stock more salmon there. And as a result, they do. And it's not just salmon. They, uh, they don't stock coho, they do stock uh, Chinook, but they stock a tremendous number of steelhead and brown trout, which really rounds out that fishery. Um, Lake Ontario is a year round fishery. There's no month of the year you can't go to Lake Ontario and potentially catch fish. And that's just not true with the other Great Lakes. Awesome, Mark. We're talking about times of the year now, calendar creeping up on September. What makes this time of year so special for fishing for you? Well, I mean, I grew up not very far from the Lake Michigan shoreline. And so, you know, end of August, first part of September has always historically been a time that we head to the pier heads and we target these, these staging kings that are coming back to the river malls. And, um, and for a lot of people, it's the only time of year they get access to them because they don't have a boat big enough to go offshore um, and chase those fish out in the big water. And so they wait patiently until these fish start to stage at the river mouse. And when they do, there's great fishing opportunities. Uh, be it, it can be a little crowded. Um, you're fishing in a crowd for the most part, um, but it can be some very exciting fishing opportunities. And uh, I grew up on that. So, you know, I really look forward to that. And while we don't have the numbers that maybe we've had in past years, we still get a push of fish and it's still exciting to fight them Chinook salmon, especially this year, you know, there's a lot of fish that are north of 30 pounds being caught. That's a big Chinook. Yeah, for sure. You get a chance to travel all around the Great Lakes, do tons of fishing. What do you have on your calendar here uh, for the next month? What are you excited about? 
Well, um, we're definitely going to go to the eastern basin of Lake Erie and target walleyes. Um, we love that big water, deep water fishing. In the eastern basin, they fish walleyes like we fish salmon here um, in Michigan waters. Uh, a lot of divers, a lot of downriggers, a lot of deep water, and we're looking forward to doing that. Uh, that's completely you know, foreign to the way we typically fish walleyes here in the western basin, places like Saginaw Bay, the western basin of Lake Erie. So it's fun for us to go there because we get to see something um, a little bit different, a little bit unique. And, and that gets fired up in September. Um, so we'll be heading that way in September. That's our next big trip. Awesome. Mark Romanek, is there something you want to talk about today that I didn't ask you? No, I think we're cool. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, Chris. It's, uh, I mean, the fishing is uh, maybe not as great as it could be, but if a guy gets out there and puts in his time, he will be successful. He will catch fish. And if you have the luxury of being able to travel, uh, there are certain places that are very good. Wisconsin is on fire right now. There's no question about it. Lake Ontario is on fire. Uh, the Michigan waters of Lake Michigan, not quite on fire, but you can still catch fish. If you put in your time, you will catch fish. People want to find out more about you and Fishing 411 TV. How do they find you? Well, the overwhelming uh, internet is always the place to go, right? Fishing411.net take you to our webpage. And uh, they'll give you all the information you need about the television show and, uh, and where you can find our other, uh, our other video stuff. Mark Romack from Fishing 411 TV, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate your time and your insight. It was fun talking to you, kind of taking a, a little trip from 35,000 feet over the top of all these lakes. It was kind of fun to talk and chat with you today. Hey, it's been my pleasure, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com. 